Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Brothers and sisters in Christ, just really quick before we dive into Scripture and the message and all of that. Uh, after church, we've got a little time of fellowship. You know, it's coffee, donuts, and all of that. Then our Omega Hour, which is like a Bible study, not entirely a Bible study. There's a lot of scriptures, but it's kind of a topical thing. Today, we're going to talk about angels. And I know that's a pretty popular topic for people to, to talk about. People always want to hear more about angels. So we're going to be covering that after in the Omega Hour. Uh, you are welcome to join us. It starts about 11 o'clock or so. Um, so come back on in. I've got a handout for you if you would like, all that kind of stuff. And uh, for those visiting, maybe visiting online even, we are walking through the entire book of Revelation. Um, started back in September and we'll finish here just in a couple of weeks. And this This jaunt through Revelation has really shown us how the the book is prophetic, but what it does is it talks about the things that will always be happening until Jesus returns. The three sevenfold visions, all of that stuff is about what's going to continue to go on until Jesus returns. We're past that part in Revelation to what's it going to be like when he returns, and, and this isn't about just dying and going to heaven, but at the resurrection, those who have died and gone to heaven are raised from the dead. If we are lucky enough to be alive when it happens, then our bodies change into a resurrected body, and then what? And that's what our text is about this morning. So this is Revelation chapter 22. Uh, we're going to do verses 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve fruit kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this text is talking about the resurrection of the dead into a new paradise, a new Eden. That's what we're talking about today. But as a a useful reminder, the the text of Revelation has in it a lot of language that is symbolic, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have a connection to what is real. So we believe in a, a physical resurrection from the dead. The church has always believed that there will be this physical resurrection. In fact, even in the Old Testament, there, there was this promise of the resurrection from the dead that we understood um, all the way up until God's people knew this, all the way up until Jesus himself rose from the dead, and then it sort of solidified this thinking in our mind that, that truly we will be raised as Jesus was raised. So it kind of gave some clarity to that. But the resurrection from the dead is the, the centerpiece of Christian theology, This is our great hope. We think sometimes that the the hope is that we die and go to heaven, which has a great deal of hope in it, and it's a very good thing, yes. But the resurrection from the dead is even greater. (laughs) It's a hope that is more realized. It's a hope that is more tangible. It's a hope that that you can touch and embrace. That's that's what I always say is, you know, if if we die and, and go to a spirit realm and we see our loved ones, that's wonderful, 
If we die, go to a spirit realm, but then are raised bodily and we see our loved ones with physical bodies, oh, then we can hug, we can high five, we'll sit and eat meals together, we'll, we'll walk through paradise together, we'll hold hands, we'll laugh, the big belly laugh, right? We'll actually experience all of those physical things again. So the resurrection from the dead is really the, the centerpiece. As, as wonderful as heaven is and will be, it's, I always say I'm not trying to diss heaven, I'm not dogging on heaven, but we're talking about something even greater than that at the resurrection. So that's, that's this picture is everybody is raised from the dead and we're in this place that seems incredible and wonderful. But what's more important is in this beautiful and wonderful place, it is paradise that, that has these trees of life and all of this stuff, all that, that symbolic language there is a, a life force, and it has a source. And that's the focus of the text. We're going to start there is the source of all of this life. And it's, it's useful to think in terms of the source of life. And in our text this morning, it is that river that runs right through the middle of the garden. And, and the trees grow on the sides of it. It's such an apt analogy. It's a beautiful symbol because the way that water works is so profound in our world. I mean, water is, is a necessity for anything that is alive. Anything that lives needs water. I mean, pretty basic biology right there. But the water source and the type of water well, that can make a difference, right? The, the type of water and the source of water does actually make a huge difference. And we can look at that in our world today. There's um, a lot of different examples. The one that you know, jumped to mind first for me was coffee. <laughs> Some of us here <laughs> are coffee dorks, like real, by the way, a little shout out, an uh, advertisement. We sell coffee, Cars Coffee, and it is, it is for the good work that we do in Africa. More information out there, you can buy a bag, et cetera. We've got a website and all that kind of stuff. But the coffee that we drink, the water, actually influences how it tastes. Now, the, the real, real coffee snobs know that there is like a level of parts per million of minerals in the water that will actually make the coffee taste best to the point where there are some people that I know who, even though their house has soft water, they put some kind of reverse osmosis thing to put, you know, to make the water hard again so that the coffee tastes better. It's pretty extreme. And um, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, coffee wasn't the first thing I thought of. It was whiskey, right? Okay, sorry, <laughs> but I should lead with coffee, right? If, if you're somebody who enjoys a nice whiskey, you know, bourbon, and there's, there's certain things that go with that. It's got to be oak, newly uh, charred oak barrels, aged, certain amount of time, all this. But it's from Kentucky. Why? It's because of the water, and if you enjoy a nice, fine scotch, that's coming from Scotland. And it's, it is, again, its own different details of how it's aged and stored. But what makes it taste weird, <laughs> I'm not a fan, by the way, <laughs> is the peat moss in the water. 
Right? It just makes sense that the, the water sort of flavors the food. In fact, one of the, the hypotheses on why is New York pizza so unique is because of the water. And, and you can take the same flour, the same ingredient, everything, the same process, and do it in another state, and people will say it just doesn't taste the same. It's that New York City water is, is what they claim makes it really good, real New York pizza. I don't know if that's true or not. The other ones I do know, <laughs> but that's a hypothesis. So the source that we have in the Garden of Eden, this water comes directly from the throne of God. It comes from God and the Lamb, that is Jesus. The Father, the Son, the Spirit is inhabiting the entire place. So we can just assume the full trinity, the, the source of this water that gives life to all of creation is God. Well, of course it is, right? I mean, that just sort of makes sense. But this source of life that we are looking forward to at the resurrection is available to us now today. See, that's the part that people miss. We look so much forward to the resurrection, we forget what it means for our life today. Because it's not just this symbolic thing that, that will happen at the end times. It actually, from the very beginning, from the very beginning, it was intended for us to have our source be God. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 really quick. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. So we get a glimpse of it in the Old Testament in Genesis, how God had this, this idea, this concept of the, the source of all things that nourishes all things comes from this place called Eden. <laughs> that word Eden is, is interesting. It's, it's a word that kind of just means uh, a really awesome, incredible garden, <laughs> nature, all stuff created. That's what Eden is. It's, it's really kind of transliterated into paradise. It's, that's actually just a transliteration, meaning it's, it's a word in Greek that we just kind of sound out in English. But it is, it, it's used in the Old Testament to reference kings' gardens and parks, and, and luxury is sort of associated with that word, and all things that are wonderful are associated with this word that means paradise, means perfect. Because the source is God. And from that flows all things. One of my uh, pet peeves are <laughs> newer songs, newer music that just make no sense <laughs> and the lyrics are dumb. I'm a guy who likes good lyrics in his music. And I've said the source like 15 times and a handful of you know where I'm going with this. Justin Bieber. He's got this song, and it's the dumbest song. He, in it, he says, I get my life right from the source. I'm sorry, I sh shouldn't even know these lyrics. The song is so dumb. But what is he talking about? 
the most important things in life he gets right from the source. And what are those things? Peaches from Georgia, marijuana from California, and women from Canada. It's a dumb song. That's what I'm saying. That's why I don't like it. It's mind-numbingly stupid. It's, it's just a dumb song. <laughs> am, I, am I embarrassing you? Are you embarrassed for me because I know that song? Is that what this is? It's okay. I've got kids that age. It works out. But the, the point is that the world looks at these things that are worldly for their source, Right? It doesn't surprise me that, that a music artist comes up with strange and odd things to think that this is the source of life because I look around in the world and I see a lot of people doing it, even Christians find the source of their life, that which feeds them, that which influences them, that which pours into them, secular things. So I'm going to ask you, what's pouring into you right now that is flavoring you like coffee or whiskey or New York pizza? What is it that's pouring into you at this moment? Are you, are you pouring into yourself things that, that are shaping and forming you like paradise or shaping and forming you like the world in which we live? Because the world in which we live, those things that pour into us, are cursed. It's the next point in the sermon. The curse is, well, it's really an interesting word. It, it means to invoke harm. Something that is cursed. If, if there's an object that is cursed, the idea is that if you're near it or close to it, it invokes some kind of harm to you. Or a curse word, a word of curse, you say to somebody to invoke harm to them. In our text this morning from Revelation 22, verse 3, we hear, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. In that Garden of Eden, because Adam and Eve chose to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, all of creation became cursed. Dan referenced this a little bit earlier. In Africa, there's so many things that are trying to kill you. Uh, Australia is even worse, just full of bugs and, and fish and stuff that are trying to kill you all of the time. That is because nature is cursed. Humanity is cursed. The curse is the, is the thing that we reference as sin. Sin has infected all things. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, it wasn't just the two of them, but rather all created things fell into sin. There wasn't any pain or suffering or sorrow. And in the paradise that is to come, on the last day when we're raised up, the scripture says nothing in it will be accursed. There's nothing in it that will cause you harm. Nothing in it that will, will, will cause you problems or, or difficulty, break relationships physically, emotionally, spiritually. There's nothing that causes harm. And we live in a world that, that everything can cause harm. Every last thing, even just a, a step, if I stub my toes, I'm stepping up here, that causes me harm, right? It, splinters and, and bees and there's Everything. Everything that is out there is sort of in some way trying to harm and to kill you. And I know it sounds extreme, but we've even been singing this in Christmas songs going back generations. 
Isn't that a great song? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. I remember as a kid singing that song, an old traditional Lutheran church, and everybody is belting it out. And I don't know what age I was, but it was the age where I actually was starting to listen to the lyrics. Or maybe I was reading in the hymnal, and we start singing, For as the curse is found, for as the curse. And I'm thinking, What? <laughs> what is this curse? And how far is it found? For as far as the curse is everywhere. The curse exists everywhere. This is why it's important to know that our source of life, that which feeds us and grows us, has to be God, the Father and his Son and the Spirit who reign in heaven. That is what pours into us. If what's pouring into you are things of this world, your, your work, even like we, all, we always say, okay, work, we don't want to get too busy with work. We don't want to get too busy with, with our career. And of course, we don't want to chase money. Of course, we don't want to chase fame and all that kind of stuff. I'm just going to be a, a family man, right? I am just going to do my best to serve my family. But even there, if, if we focus, and that is where I get my identity from, the source of my life, I'm still not seeking my identity, my source, and who I am from God. It isn't right to, to put your children or your family, your spouse, into a position and place of worship. That belongs to God alone. And this is one I've seen in, in our suburban Iowa community many times. Where, where people elevate and they see themselves as the best spouse. And that's, you know, their Instagram and their social media is, is all about that. Or their, their identity is to be the, the best mom or the best dad. And look at my kids. Aren't they amazing? Isn't this great? And the problem is we all know that about half the time that's just a lie, right? <laughs> There's a lot of things going on behind the scene. But the bigger problem is if that's what's feeding you, the day will come when those things are removed. The day will come when your kids grow up and leave the house and no longer need you to be in that position anymore. Or it's entirely possible that even though your marriage is wonderful, you may lose your loved one at some point. And then who are you? If who we are the source of who we are, is anything other than God, then it is transient, it is, it is temporal, it is flawed, and it will hurt you. Your kids are going to hurt you. Your spouse is going to hurt you. Your family, your friends, your work, everything has the capacity to hurt because everything is sinful. When we tie ourselves and our identity to child of God, then and only then do we have this promise of security, this promise of, of identity that goes beyond this cursed world into the world that will come. The curse of this world was defeated, but the the great joy of receiving the benefits of it are at the resurrection. 
So our mission right now, our mission right now is to be the light of the world. Now, we're going to talk about the mission completed because in our text, we have from Revelation chapter 22, 4 to 5, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Again, this symbolic language doesn't mean that there won't be a sun and a moon and stars and, and day and night, but rather the light that he's talking about is a different type of light. This is the light that Jesus speaks of in John chapter 7. Right? I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 5, when he says, you are the light of the world. He says, out of you will come this light because we will, we will be the church that is on the hill, the light that cannot be hidden. And at the resurrection, that mission is over. We are no longer the light. What we're discovering is that the source of that light is Christ himself shining to us through the world because this world, another way to think of it, not just as cursed, is in darkness. And the, the message of Easter is that there comes a day when there is no darkness that is sinful, the darkness that causes us to be afraid, when those predators and things out there that are trying to get us, or the unknown that we can't see that is, that is against us, that is gone. But until that day, it is the mission of the church and of his people to be that light, for the light of Christ to shine through us. Because this curse of sin, this curse of sin has been dealt with. On the cross, all of the sin of the world is placed on Jesus. I want you to just try and fathom that for a second. I've got plenty of my own. All of you do as well. And not just all who are living today, but all who have ever lived and ever will live, all of their mistakes all of their intentional acts of wrongdoing, all of the things that they have done, all of the sin of nature, all of the rebellion of this created world, all of that is placed on Christ and it is dealt with. As he dies, that sin is put to death. The echoes of the curse and of sin still haunt us. And we still have those things around us that cause us pain and suffering that invoke to us harm, right? Cursed things still exist, but the curse itself has been broken. As, as Christ died on that cross, the curse is broken. And what we look forward to is the resurrection to eternal life. What Revelation is describing in, in chapter 22 is the end of the mission, meaning that there is no reason to bring light into the world because there is no sin and no darkness. There's no reason to proclaim the gospel to people because everybody not only knows who Jesus is, they see him face to face. You will never have again at, at the resurrection to ask somebody if they know who Jesus is because he's right there. See, the mission is for now. The, the mission is for us right now to share in a broken world this great hope. Not, not to ignore all of the bad things, not to pretend like our marriages are great and our kids are all perfect and wonderful. My job is fantastic. I take great vacations and all this wonderful stuff. That's all of this world. 
Our job is, is to be in the position to shed light into this dark world. Our job is to tell people, I know that's all fake. <laughs> I know that pouring into yourself these things is what you think will give you life. But it is life that is temporary and ends at your own grave. Instead, consider a different source for who you are. And the source for who you are as the God who is willing to step into this broken and cursed world and to take sin upon himself and to pay for that sin, to execute that sin so that we might have eternal life. We do have a job to do. The mission completed in Revelation is after the return of Jesus. Until then, our job is not to fix the cursed, broken world, but to bring light. Our job is, is to give what has been poured into us. So when I asked you at the beginning of the, of the sermon, what is it that's pouring into you, there's a reason that that's really important. Not only is it for your own spiritual health and emotional health, not only is it for you, but the more of, of the hope of Christ you pour into yourself, the more that you have to shine that light out into the world. Doing discipleship stuff, reading scriptures, praying, worshiping, all of these things are very beneficial for you, but the, the people who, who receive the benefits the most are the people in your life, and that will be your spouse, your children, your coworkers, and, and people in your neighborhood, but you have to pour into yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit those things that bring light to you. You have to be consuming those things not just in the very literal body and blood of Christ, but also consuming that which is good, that which has hope in the resurrection and not from this world. So stop listening to the stuff of the world telling you who you are. Stop listening to culture and society telling you who you are. Stop listening to coworkers telling you who you are or what you could be one day if you just applied yourself. Stop listening to those things. That's not who you are. Who you are is a child of Christ invited into paradise. That's who you are right now. And you got a lot of cursed things around you that need to hear the same hope and the same joy, and the same promise of the resurrection to eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Elders are going to grab the kids coming forward, and if you would please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for pouring into me your Holy Spirit in baptism, your Spirit uh, in this life that I have today. I thank you, Lord, for being present here with us today. And I thank you for that gift of the resurrection to eternal life. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would have that light that you have poured into me shine through me and through everyone who is gathered here today. Teach us to bring light to the darkness, to show those who have no hope what is truly hope, and for those who don't know that they might become your own children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.